1: Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. Welcome to another episode of Anne Security for All. Um, Welcome to our listeners over on LinkedIn Live that are joining us today, and welcome to our regular listeners on Voice America. If you are on uh, LinkedIn Live and you would like to check out Voice America and check out any of our past speakers, you can go to any place that you like to listen to your podcasts and just look for and security for all on Voice America and you can catch some of our past speakers. We've had some amazing speakers in the past. Um, Well, I just got back from Chicago last night. 2023 is off to an amazing start. We had a jam-packed event in um, Chicago. It was nice to see a great turnout in Chicago again. Interesting. In the fall, we were in Chicago downtown, and any, unlike any of our past events, off the Magnificent Mile we just did not have a very good turnout last um i think it was like in september i was shocked because i had been doing so many events over the last few decades in downtown chicago and i was not expecting a um like an event that wasn't packed. Apparently the feedback in Chicago is since COVID, people work remotely now and they only go downtown maybe once or twice a week to report into their office. So we moved out to the suburbs. We had our event over by the O'Hara Airport and we literally had standing room only. It's um it's just really fun coming back into these cities again and seeing all of our old friends and making new friends and seeing our speakers and sponsors. If you all out there have not attended a FutureCon event, I highly recommend it. They're fun, engaging, educational. Um, You can look us up on LinkedIn and you should see all the mentions of FutureCon. There's hundreds and hundreds of testimonials of how fun people, um, what fun time people have at our events and what great content and education they walk away with. We are off to Washington, D.C. in two weeks. Then we go to Detroit, Seattle, then we go to Montreal, and so on. Just um, check out our website at FutureCon events. It is pretty possible that we're coming to a city near near you. So today, I'm excited about my guest. He actually has attended one of our past events. He sat on one of our panels, and I'm happy to chat with him on the show today. I have uh, Dr. Joe Perez. He's the Chief Technology Officer um, he has he's he has two different jobs, um, but he's also a senior systems analyst and team leader at North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. And he's a chief technical officer at uh, Salone Tech Corporation. He has. Um, With his advanced degrees in computer and secondary education, along with all his IT certifications, Dr. Joe Perez brings almost 40 years of experience to bear as an IT hire and uh, professional, having served as a business intelligence specialist at North Carolina State University and currently serving as Senior Systems Analyst at North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. So I'm very excited to talk. He's got all kinds of other things that we'll talk about of what he's done. He's um, been an expert uh, speaker, show co-host, all kinds of things. And today we're going to talk about something very different, using data visualization to effectively communicate. So um, welcome to the show. Uh, Dr. Perez.
2: Thank you, Kim. I am excited as all get out to be on the show with you this afternoon. You're so kind and gracious to invite me to come and I'm looking forward to to um a great time uh over the next few minutes with with you and your listeners.
1: Well, 40 years is a long time and I have to tell you a little side <laughs> joke. I did not like okay. this. Yesterday I last night I was boarding United Airlines and you know just I was just in coach and the guy that was making the announcements he goes, "Oh my gosh, everyone, let's give this lady a round of applause. This is her 30th year of being a One Pass member on United Airlines." I'm like can you please not do that? <laughs> you know? I'm like,
2: well, what he failed to mention, though, was that, yes, she started right out of kindergarten.
1: <laughs> I was like, that was a little mortifying. So, anyway, <laughs> when I read your 40 years, it kind of brought that memory back of a uh, right. man saying that to me. But yeah, that's uh, congratulations on all your success. And I know you do a lot of speaking. Um, like mm-hmm. all over, how did that start? And how did you get into your speaking career?
2: So uh, thank you for asking. And uh, about the 40 years, uh, I started way after kindergarten. I'll tell you from that, you will establish that right now. So uh, no, I was, um, I was an educator for 10 years before I got into my career as an information technology professional. Uh, it's always been my passion to communicate uh, whether I'm connecting with students, connecting with my coworkers, connecting with an audience, whether it's a live audience, an in-person audience, uh, an audience that's virtual. I prefer an in-person audience, but uh, I've always wanted to communicate. I've always wanted to share information. I've always wanted to uh, make a positive impact on folks. You know, I, I consider knowledge as a commodity. You know, it's something that I have and you need. It's something that you will give me your time and I will give you my knowledge and hopefully you'll be better off after I'm through talking to you than you were when you walked into the room, you know, and, and that's, that should be the passion of any educator. So when I got into IT, uh, I, again, I still had that passion and that um, uh, desire to educate, the desire to uh, do instructional design uh, kind of spilled over into the responsibilities that I had. In the, the first twenty-five years of that career, that I was at NC State, uh, I would speak at events uh, local to the university, of course, and emcee uh, uh, some of their uh, some of our workshops and things that we would put on for uh, university officials and so forth. So you know, speaking really, really wasn't a new thing. Um, it kind of um, started taking off in 2018 uh, after I was recruited away from the university by some incredible individuals at um, the Department of Health and Human Services, they were looking for somebody that could spearhead some business intelligence initiatives, somebody who could speak well to either high level business partners on one side or high level technical people on the other, somebody who understood business processes and also understood the technical side of things Thing too. So that educational background kind of uh, dovetails into my into my current position. Well, it also opened up some windows for me, some doors, I should say, um, for me to be able to speak at conferences outside of my organization. Uh, a handful of them in 2018 and 2019, about a dozen or so. And then during the pandemic, the floodgates opened. There were so many uh, virtual events that uh, were interested in hearing somebody who could share their passion. You know, no fame or anything, not a big name, not somebody that uh, people would recognize, but. You know, just an ordinary guy with um, with an extraordinary passion about the topic. So I started talking about actionable data, talking about um, driving decisions with data, talking about um, innovation, facilitating innovation, uh, rethinking your um, rethinking your professional development strategy, and that just continued to snowball. I guess in the last three years, I've spoken in more than a hundred conferences, and uh, then when the pandemic uh, restrictions were lifted and people started being able to attend these in-person events well again the floodgates are open and the demand is there and so uh, I wound up going to Europe four times last year in in, uh, uh, in the different travels that I've had in conferences where I've spoken um, so I, I've just really enjoyed it um, uh, I, I don't know where it all comes from I guess the grace of God or something that uh uh, that uh, somehow I've been able to achieve both resonance and relevance with the audience, right? You know, resonance speaks to the heart, relevance speaks to the mind, and hopefully, it's something where I've sought to um, uh, to bring value to these conferences, to these organizations, and uh, share a message that um, helps them to be better in whatever functional whatever functional area that they're seeking to um, seeking to excel in. Um, and so I've just continued along those lines. And uh, this year, uh, I've already got about a dozen of them booked. And so I'm looking forward, again, to continue to create value and uh, bring data to life and life to data.
1: Well, that's amazing. And congratulations to all your success. A um, couple of shout You're outs there. Um, Jonathan Kimmett, it's good to have you back uh, listening to our show. Jonathan, I you sat on a panel with Jonathan yes, I earlier did. this year. And, and he's Jonathan, had Jonathan, wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's an amazing show. guy.
1: He's awesome. He he actually sometimes uh, co-hosts the show for me when I'm mm-hmm. on the road. He's going to be doing it. He'll be uh, doing the show in two weeks because sometimes I don't get back until like late Friday afternoon. So he, he brings great um, guests to the show. So he'll be uh, co-hosting the show in two weeks. So awesome. nice to see you back, um, Jonathan and Mark Harkins out there. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. So, um, a question for you. Um, and Jonathan did give you a shout out saying you're a wonderful speaker, he always <laughs> enjoys listening to your presentation. Oh, so,
2: what a kind thing to say! I d- promise you, I did not pay him any money to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so you kind of have like on your LinkedIn to dual, you have two different, um, you're like, explain that to us a little bit, because it looks sure. like you have two different jobs uh, and mm-hmm. speaking. How are you doing it all? <laughs> oh. And what are both Again. of those different jobs?
2: <laughs> Again, by the grace of God, you know, as you can tell, the bags under my eyes, you know, the, the, there's no makeup studio because this is virtual. So uh, uh, what you see <laughs> is what you get here. Uh, no, my um, uh, my primary role is a senior systems. And I can't talk a speaker who can't talk. That's real good. Um, senior systems analyst at the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services I liaise again with high-level business uh, partners and high-level technical partners on both sides hopefully trying to um, effectuate solutions that everybody can be happy with um, the uh, that is my primary role it's a full total full-time job um, as a um, uh, on a fractional on a fractional basis I serve as chief technology officer for a startup uh, in a North Carolina area, called Solentech, um, and uh, that uh, I get to um, uh, uh, to set policy or to um, excuse me execute policy from the CEO, and uh, stay apprised of technical developments in the uh, the cybersecurity world, um, to um, provide thought leadership there, um, and at events where I speak as well. Um, so, um, as I said, one of them is a full-time job. The other one is a fractional role. Uh, and then whatever spare time I have left, uh, I, um, uh, I speak at conferences and, um, again, try to bring value to, um, uh, every place where I go.
1: So, um, when you brought this topic to us today, uh, using data, vis, vis- I'm going to mess that word up. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> it twister. is. Yes, it is. When Heather was trying to tell us, why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about and explain before, you know, I have some things that I want to ask you about that, but mm-hmm. can you define, especially our viewers over on Voice America, they do tune in to learn, you know, what cybersecurity is all about. What does our topic today mean? And then we'll kind of
2: go into sure. it. Sure. Well, to me, I um, I want to bring. I've said this. This is my tagline on my on my LinkedIn profile: bringing data to life and life to data. Uh, to me, data is life. Okay. <laughs> uh, people uh, need to be able to use data to bring them the uh, d- uh, to derive uh, to derive the insights that they need in order to make decisions. And data dr- data driven decision making is something that uh, people need to get a hold of because you, know, you might have a great intuition. You might have a great business savvy. You have uh, a wonderful grasp of your business processes um, and the decisions that you have to make would be based on your intuitive knowledge of those business practices. Uh, but what is it that guides that intuition? Uh, should you always go with your gut or should your gut be informed by data. And whether you would like to think about it or not, there is all kinds of data that you can use in making your decision. Um, It may be anecdotal um, inferences that you make from stories that are told to you by your employees, the things that are going on with the different business processes that you have. Uh, It may not be in a spreadsheet, it may not be in a database, but those are indeed pieces of data. And you are leveraging this data and leveraging it together with the intuitive knowledge that you have of your business in order to drive your decisions. Uh, I like to see the role that data plays in driving those decisions, and not just ordinary data, data that's been made actionable, um, and how your reporting strategy, your business intelligence strategy, can inform how that data is going to be used. Uh, And part of it has to do with data visualizations. All that a data visualization is, is a group of graphs, charts that are used to create a picture, to tell a story with the data, okay? That's why it's also called data storytelling. And so these things are used together and are leveraged in order to help you to make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem. Get to that point and you're data-driven, you're using this to enhance the intuitive knowledge that you may already have of your business processes so that you can make those decisions, um, make those decisions in an informed manner uh, by a a business intelligence strategy that doesn't allow itself to be skewed by people who are interested in only making a pretty graph. Anybody can make a pretty graph, but it's important to ensure that the data that's produced is indeed actionable and can drive you to make those decisions.
1: So would you, is this something that you would suggest, you know, since a lot of board members are non-technical and um, is this a great way to communicate with them by storytelling? Because we just yes. talked about this on the, on the show last week, once again, you know, how to communicate, you know, the urgency to a board, you know, of, of right. why we need budget, why, why cybersecurity is so
2: important, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Cause see, Um, Look, David McCandless said in a 20 Ted Ted talk that sight by far has the highest bandwidth of any of the five senses. About 80 percent of the information we take in is by eye, he said. Additional research in the years since then has proven that to be more like 90 percent. The visual acuity that we have processes information something like 60,000 times faster. So, yes, we learn best through stories even as a little kid you learned um, you learned your nursery rhymes you know that that were in story format a story has a plot a story has a character a story has cadence and in the same way when you can it, you can somehow envelop those concepts and leverage those concepts when you're telling a story with data then you can make it so much more compelling and yes especially to a non-technical audience that they'll be able to get what you're saying because, again, you're presenting it as elements of a story in a way that is both accurate and compelling.
1: Jonathan um, asked a question. He said, um, would the um, data be the same for the use for IT metrics or something more generalized for a broader audience?
2: Well, that's an excellent question, Jonathan. You know, uh, it's one thing when you are trying to plot out your metrics and see they tie into your key performance indicators that most of the time hopefully you will have already determined ahead of time you know what are uh, what are the things that you were looking for what are specific measures that you have established as being your definition of success in areas one two three four and five uh, what is it that will indicate uh that your performance is at in in those different areas that your performance is at a particular level, your metrics that you're using, um, uh, finite, measurable, repeatable metrics that you are using to measure your progress in those areas. Whereas the generalized data might be uh, overall facts and figures about your company, certain milestones, certain records, um, certain thresholds that you've met. That would be something that the general public would be interested in that may or may not tie directly into your key performance indicators. So you have to consider your audience. Um, and, you know, I guess the best way to answer Jonathan's question is the classic I.T. answer. It depends.
1: <laughs> you know, we have um, we have a lady. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's out in mm-hmm. California. She does. She does a lot of work for. Um, Oh, cybercrime magazine. Um, and she, she'll just come to our events when we're in San Diego, she'll just show up and she'll just sketch all day. You know, she'll sketch, she, she produces hmm. all these cartoons. She's we, we have, we've posted, it. yeah, she's really great. I'll have to connect you with her. Cause there, there may be some alliance there, but that's what she does. And it's great. And, um, it's it's cool, but how is that effective? Like what? Like I don't, you know, as a non technical person that's just bringing technical people together, how does that help? You know, um, audiences when they see that kind of graphics like that, it must be doing something because you've got some big big magazines, you know, using her storytelling <laughs> yeah. graphics.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, you're telling a story with. Data, all right, um, especially if you're in front of a non technical audience, Kim. Um, see, data visualization can be a powerful tool for communicating key insights to any audience, uh, even one that's not technical, okay? But it's important to approach it in a way that's clear, simple, and easy to understand, okay? So, how do we go about doing that? Okay, first of all, choose the right type of visualization okay select the type of visualization that best suits the data and the message that you want to communicate the story you're telling for example bar charts are good for comparing data line graphs for showing trends pie charts for showing proportions okay it's here's a good practice always use the right tool for the right job if you want to communicate the right message you wouldn't use a chainsaw to carve a turkey would you How about a sledgehammer to crack a walnut? (laughs) Of course not, all right? The same principle applies with data visualizations, okay, for that message. All right, secondly, keep it simple. Okay, avoid using complex visualizations that can confuse or overwhelm your audience, especially a non-technical one. Stick to basic visualizations that are easy to understand and interpret. Otherwise, well, you're gonna have the audience spending so much time trying to figure out what the chart is trying to convey, that they totally miss out on seeing the message behind it. Thirdly, um, I'd say use clear labels. Okay, label the axes, the x and the y, and the Z, you know, provide units of measurements for what's being displayed. Otherwise, you're going to leave everybody guessing. They're not going to know what you're trying to say. You know, it's important to con- to include a clear title that accurately describes the data being shown, and then highlight key insights. Um, use color shading uh, other you know visual cues to draw attention to the most important insights senior account executive and expert data storyteller spencer sobzak tells us that contrasting colors differentiate among groups whereas different shades of the same color can communicate the relative strength or weakness of a value so then y- y- you start capitalizing on all this okay w- whenever you're building visualizations for revealing insights. all right. Here's the point. Just make sure those key insights are easy to see and understand. Okay, Um, lastly, fifthly, I I think it's number five. I don't know, I may have lost track. I'm not counting here, but whatever. I think number five, uh, avoid clutter at all costs. You know, um, keep the visual clean and uncluttered. Yes, 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 you need color. You gotta have color, but avoid using too many different colors or Patterns or font changes in your labels. You know, whatever you do, keep the design simple. Otherwise, well, you're going to get what master statistician and Yale professor Edward Tufte used to call chart junk. You definitely want to steer clear of that. Um, Another tip: provide context. Okay, provide context for the data being shown. Uh, Things like um, well, the time period under consideration, uh, the population being studied or the issue being explored, the concern being addressed. Yeah, th- this is this is going to help the audience to understand the data and its implication. Remember, we're talking about this in the context of a non-technical audience, as you asked, Kim. You know, th- th- this is but, but this is good for any audience. Right. And finally, test, 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 <laughs> okay, test with your audience show the visualization to that non-technical audience we've been talking about and ask for their feedback. You know, even if my target audience is technical and many times it is, guess what? Sometimes I'm still going to run it by the non-technical folks first. Why? Because you want to encourage people to question, to dig, to probe, to, di- to drill, to discover, and this is going to help you to determine whether the vis- visualization is clear and effective in communicating clear insights for the decision makers. So I think by following these best practices that I've outlined, Kim, you can create data visualizations that will both effectively and efficiently communicate key insights to that non-technical audience.
1: So Jonathan said, um, you know, what are some easy tools that someone can utilize to create this visualization?
2: Excellent question, Jonathan. I like to use uh, the simplest tools that you can find. It doesn't have to be anything fancy schmancy. It just has to get the job done. Uh, one excellent tool that um, integrates well and plays well with uh, all the other, uh, if, if you happen to be a Microsoft shop, uh, Power BI uh, integrates with Microsoft Excel, connects with all a whole host of uh, different DBMSs uh, sorry to use an acronym. I should uh, database management systems. Whether you're using Oracle or uh, the few who are still using Sybase, or you know whatever other um, database management system you're using, um, SAP, and so forth, um, the uh, that particular tool, Power BI, integrates well with the other Microsoft um, Office products, uh, and it integrates well with those tools. Uh, drag and drop interface. You know, you, you pick the graphic you want, you drag it, you drop it, you take the suggestion that it gives you, you uh, accept it or you change it. Uh, Tableau is another excellent tool. Both of those have a rather low learning curve. Uh, and I don't mean that in an insulting way to say you're dumb if you use it. No, what I mean is, if you've never used a data visualization tool before and you pick up Power BI or um, Tableau, uh, you can pick up, it's, it's very, intuitive. And for the end user uh, or for those of you who are administering your site, you don't have to give somebody the keys of the kingdom as far as rights and privileges are concerned in order for them to be able to drill and explore on their own. Uh, the point is whatever kind of a uh, click, that's another, uh, and it's spelled Q-L-I-K, not C-L-I-C-K. Click is another excellent tool, um, uh, SAS SAS has a tool that used to be called uh, Data Visualization. Uh, It was, um, or excuse me, SAS Visual Analytics. Uh, It's now called SAS Viya. Um, We haven't used that in years, so I'm not up with the latest version, but it also has an excellent drag and drop interface. Here's my point. Whatever you use, something that, one, integrates well with your other tools, two, integrates well with your back-end database management system, Three works well with whatever um, type of ETL tool that you're using. You know, get your data stream right. You got your source data. You're pulling it in. You're um, transforming. You're extracted out of the original system. You might transform it in different ways, and then you load it into your reporting system. That's what the letters ETL stand for. Okay, whatever. Uh, if you're using Informatica, if you're using SAS um, Data Integration Studio, or SAS. Um, you know, whatever other tool. Okay. Make sure that whatever visualization tool that you use integrates well with your pipeline. Uh, And above all, something that has an intuitive interface that people can pick up without having too steep of a learning, excuse me, of a learning curve. Uh, It's best to use something that is robust enough and complicated enough and sophisticated enough for the most seasoned developer to pick up and start using but simple enough and intuitive enough for the person that just wants to look at the data, that wants to just drill, that wants to explore, that wants to see different facets. A tool that accomplishes all that uh, would be the absolute best. So whatever brand floats your boat, uh, I'm not gonna advocate necessarily one over the other, but uh, in my opinion, the ones that uh, I have had the experience with that seem to work the best uh, are the um, Power BI from Microsoft, uh, SAS, Visual Analytics, or via um, Tableau and Click.
1: So, who are you primarily on when you're when you're talking about you know security operation centers or your IT your security mm-hmm. departments? who Who are you trying to deliver this message to, and who would you say that they should be using this to deliver their message to?
2: That's excellent. Um, so typically, my audience is well, mostly comprised of developers. Uh, again, it depends on which conference I'm speaking at. You know, uh, the uh, uh, most developers, data scientists, um, uh, information technology managers, uh, and um, members of the C-suite. I mean, that's that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge net to cast. Uh, but uh, the you know the the fact that I was an educator before getting into IT kind of helps me be able to. Um, uh, adjust my focus and adjust my approach uh, so that it can be applicable and meaningful to the person to whom I'm speaking. You know, you're not gonna teach math to a fifth grader in the same way you would to a college freshman, for example, Okay, <laughs> right? So in the same way, you're not gonna express the need to a room full of developers in the same way that you would to uh, um, uh, a couple of end users or DBAs and managers in the same way that you would members of the C-suite, right? So. Uh, Speak to them uh, in their language using terms that they can understand, accommodating to their mission, vision, and goals so that you can bring forth something that is indeed both compelling and meaningful and relevant to the people that you're talking to.
1: And what successes have you seen um, by trying to, you know, uh, educate people to do this? What Mm -hmm. kind of successes have you seen? What kind of outcomes have you seen by teams implementing this
2: yeah yes ma'am so uh you know once they start allowing data to drive their decisions once they start recognizing that you can draw insight from data that's presented uh again both in a compelling way but also correctly without any skewing um i I wish you know i wish i could share my screen and show some examples of some really hokey uh, uh phony crazy looking graphs that uh uh, you know, that totally totally go against the rules, you know uh, graphs where uh, you're you're not um, um, uh, your your icons aren't proportional to the quantities that they represent. You know you're you're touting uh, the difference between uh, two capacities and one is like maybe twenty percent bigger than the other, but yet the graphic expressing it is ten times bigger than the other way disproportionate giving a skewed picture and that skewed picture is going to stick in the mind of the person who's trying to make the decision okay the best successes that I've seen are when uh, it is presented in a way that is again both accurate and compelling, not skewed where individuals will gain the insight that they need and they know that certain things are going in certain ways again we're getting back to that uh, going with your gut versus going with the data business, right where, yeah, they've already got an intuitive knowledge of what's going on, uh, and they hear that things are going well, but, you know, show me the numbers, right? What, um, uh, what empirical, repeatable, uh, measurable uh, means can you show me to prove that, indeed, things are going in the direction that we, that we want them to go? And so those are the successes that we've seen, where people actually will be presented that in, in this particular way. Uh, and they will heed uh, the what, what they see and take action accordingly.
1: So what is the role of data storytelling like? Um, how is that evolving in the next five to 10 years? And how do you stay ahead of the curve?
2: That's, that's an excellent question. So, um, you know, I think, let's see, how do I put this? Um, the way I see it evolving, okay, you know, Kim, Uh, You're you're, you're speaking to my passion here, (laughs) you know. um, Data storytelling is becoming increasingly important as organizations look to make data-driven decisions and communicate insights effectively, okay? In in the next five to 10 years, I expect the role of data storytelling to evolve in several ways. Um, First of all, I see an increased focus on the narrative itself, right? The narrative structure of data storytelling will become more and more important as organizations seek to communicate increasingly complex data insights in a way that's easily understood by a wider audience. As time goes by, that's going to be even more and more of a challenge. Uh, I see an increased use of interactive Visualizations. You know, that interactivity is going to become more and more complex and realistic. Uh, Interactive visualizations, I think, are going to become much more prevalent because they allow for greater exploration of data and provide a more engaging way to communicate insights. Thirdly, um, there's the emergence of new technologies. I believe this is going to become exponential in nature. You know, you think about the explosion of technology even today. (laughs) You know, the the rise of these new technologies, I'm talking about things like artificial intelligence, virtual reality, augmented reality, and so on. Um, That's going to provide new opportunities for data storytelling and enable those new and even more interactive forms of storytelling I mentioned earlier. You know, imagine walking into a room, if you will, and grabbing a pie chart and then spinning it around to see the detail on what makes each slice or maybe walking up to an to a line graph, and you start pulling on it, okay, to see more and more detail, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's too far-fetched, not too far away from the day, you know, the, um, oh, what was that movie, uh, Minority Report, right? <laughs> the incredible three-dimensional interface that Tom Cruise was monkeying with as he was, you know, uh, doing his thing, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't see that as being too far off from reality, the way things are going today and the speed at which we're progressing. And um, lastly, I see a greater emphasis on ethical considerations. Um, Now, think about this for just a second, Kim. You know, as data becomes increasingly central to decision-making, right, there's going to be a greater emphasis on ethical considerations, you know, things like um, privacy, data security, transparency, and all. And, and, and with all this technological advance that, that I've been talking about um, and, um, and the greater ease with which greater volumes of data are extracted in greater detail and greater speed, you know, these ethical considerations are going to become even more critical. Data storytellers are going to need to be mindful of these issues, these ethical concerns, and incorporate them into their work to that point. A recent research study in 2021, 2020, excuse me, found with a growing trend of data decision making, there's a cor- corresponding increase in the importance placed upon these ethical considerations that I've mentioned, uh, you know, the, 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 the privacy, data, security and transparency. Uh, it was a Ford, stu- Ford study. It revealed that nearly 96 percent of the companies surveyed now have some sort of dedicated privacy and data protection policy in place and 84% have implemented data security measures to protect sensitive information. On top of that, um, about 92% of the businesses indicated that they prioritize transparency in their data collection usage and practice. Further, the story found that organizations that prioritize these ethical considerations are more likely to experience higher levels of customer trust and satisfaction. With nearly 88% of the surveyed customers stating that they feel more confident in companies that have transparent data policies and security measures already in place, you know that makes sense, doesn't it? You know, um, you tend to believe what you can trust. You know, trust is a funny thing, Kim. Um, it's um, it's pretty hard to get, relatively easy to lose, and nearly impossible to regain <laughs> once you've lost it. So, you know, that's how I see the landscape shaping up the next five or 10 years, Kim.
1: That's a really interesting concept. Um, Jonathan said, um, how much text narrative do you add to the data uh, visualization? Like, do you keep it minimal or do you have good basic summary? Do you tell the whole story, et cetera?
2: Ooh, I like that. Um, You're going to love it. It depends. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, I, I a, it's not a cop out, but really, it, it, it does depend. Okay, uh, who's your audience, right? What's the subject? How many graphs do you have? Um, uh, what uh, what's the length of the story? Are you uh, are you going for both length and breadth, or are you going for only length or only breadth? Okay, uh, I would say you don't want to go to to an extreme because if you do, you'll get back to that chart junk that uh, we were talking about. You want to give at least enough of the narrative to set the stage and put all the characters in place. You, excuse me, you want to give enough narrative so that uh, people get what the flow is. So really um, setting the stage, establishing the theme, and um, um, bringing the flow. If you can do those th- three things, setting the stage, bringing the theme and setting the flow, then, you know, the exact amount of text that it takes to do that, I'd say the minimum amount of text possible to achieve those three goals. And once you've done that, then let let the data speak for itself. Let the visualization speak for itself. You know, you don't, you, you want to design it in such a way that it doesn't need a whole lot of explanation because let's face it, if you can't tell just by looking at the graphic, you know, you can't tell what's what they're trying to present, then it's not actionable. If somebody has to explain it to you, it's not actionable. Uh, if you can't tell, you know, you can't figure out what's going on, then it's just plain flat out, not actionable, right? It's, it's got to speak for itself. Um, but again, have enough text to achieve those things and not not a bit more.
1: So do you laugh, you know, the, you know, when I'm reading on LinkedIn sometimes and you'll see a little cartoon, you know, sometimes it's that one little cartoon, there could be two, two words, you know, of uh, two, two little bubbles with words that tell so much about how important cybersecurity is. I mean, when you, I mean, and that's pretty dead on when you can really explain something so crucial. In such a short amount of time, do you do you find yourself? How do mm-hmm. you react to that kind of stuff when you see that?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, if, it, if it's done effectively, yes. Just one or two words is all you need. Kim, I agree 100 percent with you.
1: I have uh, I have to look over on my other computer because it didn't pop up, but uh, it's our Ar- Arvind uh, Raha. He said uh, one of the best books to start with storytelling with uh, data by Cole. You, you might know, you better, I'm going to let you.
2: I've seen that name. Yeah, Cole Nussbommer Um, and, I've seen that, but I've not read it, but uh, I, I've heard good things and uh, it is on, it is on my bucket list.
1: <laughs> Do you think that there's a career for data storytellers? Like I always wonder, and and actually her name is uh, Lisa Rothstein, so you, anyone out there that's interested in data storytelling should... um. Look her up because she does a lot of free stuff for us. So I, I do want to give her a shout out, but she does some amazing work. But I'm always wondering, is that is that a career path? I mean, is there a, are we going to see you know careers in this in the future?
2: It can be. Um, it could be at least a huge part of someone with a career as a um, uh, as a data scientist, as a uh, uh, as a data analyst. Because after all, you know, again, they're, they're, they are they can be cut from a different mold. You know, people can be really good at analyzing the data, an excellent doing an excellent job in the coding that it takes to extract it out of the original source, the um, design savvy and the eye for detail that it takes to arrange it in such a way that it flows into your data warehouse um, and um, you know the savvy that it takes to write the reports and join the tables in such a way that, um, um, well, you don't get a, you don't go to the two extremes. Either you get a Cartesian product, or you have what they call fan out, where uh, you're only joining on one criterion, not on enough of them, when you get duplicate records. Where if you would join on the two or three key fields, well, if you did the analysis of the data enough further upstream, then you would be able to answer that question. Um, and, uh, the, the, eye, the, the flair for design, um, the, um, uh, the articulate nature that it takes to know, to tell a regular story, you're just plugging data into it and making it a data story. Yeah. Granted, not everybody is going to have all of those skill Uh, if you've got two or three of them, then more power to you. Um, but, um, but yeah, I can, I can see that, uh, uh, becoming at least a huge part of a career. I don't know that uh, it would be this kind of career in and of itself. Uh, perhaps for a consultant who would, who can come into a business uh, or some other organization, government entity, educational institution, what have you, uh, and take what the um, the business intelligence team has put together, what the analysts have figured out, uh, what the developers have uh, have mapped out. Uh, what the report designers have put together and then take that and weave things together into a story, adding the narrative, finding the compelling details uh, that can turn perhaps a disjointed uh, business intelligence smattering into a cohesive strategy that is, again, accurate and compelling and will drive those um, key people to uh, get the insights they need and make those decisions and take action upon it. Um, so, so yeah, I can see that perhaps in a consultancy uh, factor or um, somebody who is a report developer or a data analyst who just happens to have a knack for telling stories and can put things together uh, in a cohesive, compelling manner.
1: That seems like a really unique person to find, though, because, you know, yeah. just just, <laughs> you know, looking at my audience that, you know, I see, you know, at all of my events, hundreds of people that have very technical minds not always have an artistic side of them that they would be able to do the storytelling. So mm-hmm. so right, you know, that's interesting to me how you you mesh those two things together.
2: Yeah. Well it's it's part of my job to mesh it together, really, because I, I analyze the data and I can put the stories together. Um the uh perhaps the actual technical coding. I don't get to do a whole lot of coding anymore in my, in my current role. So uh, that you uh, delegate and, and, and depend upon the people who know what they're doing. You know, it just helps if you, if you have that flair for the design and you have at least enough technical knowledge to understand, at least on a superficial level, you know, understand what is SQL code, right? What does the select statement mean? What does a where clause mean? What is the difference between an inner join and an outer join? And even if you don't have the skill sets to be able to code the entire thing in R or Python or C++ or whatever, if you at least understand the fundamentals, the underlying, um, uh, the underlying language that you are asking for data out of a database and you're going to spit it out in a way that is, arranged visually, okay, uh, then you will have a leg up on anybody else because if there is something wrong and you just happen to look at the code, you may not understand it, but you can tell, hmm, that should have been an outer join instead of an inner join. You know, um, you're pulling from this table instead of the one where the other stuff's coming from. uh, Do you have those joined together? You know, even if you don't understand or know all the code and all the pieces and all the steps that took to get it from, the source to your, you know, reporting repository. At least if you have that fundamental knowledge of the principles behind, say, uh, structured query link. When I say SQL, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but uh, I'm not talking about the sequel to a movie. S <laughs> E Q U E L, I guess is how you spell that. I'm um, using an acronym. The letters S Q L. Nobody says S Q L. That we. We typically will say SQL, and that stands for Structured Query Language. So even if you can't write code all day, if you at least understand the fundamental principles, then you can you can make an informed decision uh, to, um, to take what a developer will ta- tell you with a grain of salt. And when he tells you or she tells you that he, she's going to do it in a certain way, then at least you'll have a grasp of the concept and can be able to go with it and proceed accordingly.
1: You know, and I kind of take back what I said now as you were talking about it, because (laughs) I have three kids and two of them are technical. And gamers, and still young, and trying to figure out what they're going to do, but they're very great artists, you know. And I have one that is completely a marketer and couldn't draw, you know. Like I I can't draw anything, so I wonder if that does. I wonder if coders and and Jonathan would know because he used to, you know, be at a university and work with a lot of students that were developers and coders. I wonder if they probably do have a natural. Um, they're probably good at it because they probably mm-hmm. do have an artistic side, you know, that kind of, yeah. so, but um, he said, um, what would be a good, Jonathan, going back to Jonathan, he said, what would be a good starting point, a good practice exercise to help new people to create their first data, visual, visual I'm having a hard time with that word, <laughs> visualization <laughs> right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, related story, like monthly credit card charges, type of books in their homes, library, et cetera.
2: So yeah, wow, uh, Jonathan, you're you're on a roll here, buddy. <laughs> um, that, that's a that's an excellent uh, way to look. At. I would say something that has a flow to it, something that has a hierarchy to it, would be um, a good starting point. Um, uh, books in the library—that's an excellent example. Okay, uh, how are you going to categorize them? Will you categorize them by topic? Will you ta- categorize them by genre? Will you categorize them by author? Will you categorize them by when they were written, um, you know, looking at the uh, looking at the data, turning it and looking at all the different facets, uh, you might be interested. Uh, anything that was written before 1900 versus after 1900 or 2000, you know, uh, through the different ages. Think about uh, the way society viewed different topics. Um, where if you see a uh, a science fiction um, book written in 1962 that says, you will go to the moon. I actually still have that book. That's the title. You will go to the moon. And it's hilarious. Now looking back on it, where they used to think that we would be zooming around in jet packs and have flying cars in our driveway and uh, uh, be visiting a manned permanent moon base every month or something, you know, Uh, people's concepts change over the years. So, Yeah, uh, I would love to see uh, a visualization put together tracking uh, different concepts from books and their topics uh, according to when they were written. You know, uh, look to see um, if it's a fictional work or uh, um, an autobiography or uh, a documentary, a biography, a history or or whatever. Uh, So when you have something that has hierarchy then you can have visualizations that will help you to create some type of report that allows drilling into it uh, for further detail and discovery. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's an excellent idea. Something, something that, again, that has some kind of a flow, like a time thing to it and something that has a hierarchy to it uh, books in a library. Hey, that's uh, that will be an excellent exercise right there. Great is, idea. I, I might use that in a presentation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is this typically, when you're speaking all over, is this your is this typically the topic that you like to focus on?
2: Uh well the, the topic I really like is um is essentially going through the process of making data actionable, you know, talking to people about taking them on a journey from concept to reality and talking about the best practices that are needed uh to um to get to that point.
1: And have you written a book yet or?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> no, I've been asked. A lot of people have asked me because, you know, again, all the things that I talk about. And as as much as I, you know, I'm i on podcasts all the time, I co-host a, a monthly talk show and uh, well, nothing like Voice America. I mean, you know, you're the best. I'm just a little bitty you know, thing. Oh, but, I don't
0: know <laughs> about
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I suppose I have enough material uh, if I wanted to put things together, my problem is having the time to do it. You know, between my full-time job and speaking, and uh, you know, family and 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 stuff like that. A, a, a military newsletter that I produce every month. Uh, there's um, there's just no time uh, for me to write a book right now. But I think eventually I will. I, I've I've been challenged to do so. I've written for magazines, uh, and I, I've been published in several magazines. Uh, but um, uh, I don't know. I I think I'll. I'll do that. It'll it'll give me something to sell when I go to you know when I go to. A I have a like feeling
1: you will. Yeah. I mean, it seems like great content for a book, especially you know to show the process of how you mm-hmm. do that and the storytelling. Like mm-hmm. you said, you wished you could have shared your uh, screen to show some of the things that you've done. So yeah. as we wrap up here, I think you know um, it, we will be seeing Dr. Joe Perez's book <laughs> coming out. But again. You know, you you have your hands, you know, in a lot of different things before we close up, because, you know, we're probably coming on about two minutes. um, Are there any like last departing, you know, advice that you could give our listeners that, you know, if this is all a new concept to them, where do they start?
2: Sure. Um, Yes, ma'am. I'd say the the important thing to remember is um, be true to the data. Okay. Uh, don't try to manipulate things. Let the data speak for itself. Okay, uh, don't look for the quick fix. Just because you can create a chart or a graph with three mouse clicks does not make it the best possible visualization that, uh, that you can make. Okay, watch out for that kind of thing. Um, ensure that when you are presenting data, you ensure that these three things, um, these three questions are answered, that your data should make help you to make a decision answer a question or solve a problem keep that foremost in in your mind and um you know throw yourself completely into it and um hopefully you'll be able to create value for folks that are looking to be able to make decisions with data uh, bringing data to life as as i like to do um the the i guess if if i could sum it up in in just one quick statement uh data if you make it actionable, remember the four pillars of life, the letters L, I, F, and E. Legacy, integrity, fervency, and efficiency. Legacy, look for the types of data that you can use and have an established um, established goal. Uh, integrity, make sure the data is right and exactly uh, the way it needs to be expressed. Fervency, that's you putting your heart and soul into it, and B. Compelling and be motivated to tell the truth and express it. Efficiency, do it in the best way possible. Always look for doing things better tomorrow than what you did it today. bringing well, data to is, life. Yep,
1: yeah, that is excellent. You can uh find Dr. Joe Perez on LinkedIn. He he talks a lot about this because I researched him before we got on the show. But um thank you again, Dr. Uh Perez for being here. He's the Senior Assistance Analyst Team uh, leads Analyst at uh, North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Thanks for spending this last hour with us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and all your great questions. Um, We will see you all next week. You guys have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.
0: cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training, discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureCon HQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers, making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.